Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 45 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, and today's episode is brought to you by our very own Keto Restore program, which focuses on preparing the body, especially the detox and fat digestion processes, to be able to actually handle the load of eating a higher fat diet. We've had a few hundred people going through our beta program, and the results have been absolutely amazing. So if you want to learn more about the Keto Restorer program, go to summitforwellness.com slash keto. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about something that it is estimated one in two people will develop sometime in their lifetime, and that is cancer. And currently, the support behind uh, cancer treatments is really not there. A lot of times, the doctors don't give you very much information about how the cancer developed in your body? And what are some other ways that you can help support yourself other than just chemo and radiation? So I brought on Dr. Megan Van Zell of Cancer Peace University to talk about different ways that she provides support for cancer clients and how to educate them on what's really going on within their body and provide the nutrients and the food that they need in order to get through their treatment. So let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Dr. Megan Van Zell. Megan Van Zell is the owner and CEO of Cancer Peace University. She works with cancer clients addressing both the emotional and physical roots to disease by supporting their body with lifestyle changes, dietary changes, and supplements. She also has a book on Amazon called What is Cancer? Thanks for coming on to the show, Megan. Thank you, Brian, for having me. I'm looking forward to sharing with you and with your audience. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about cancer because we hear about it all the time. Uh, pretty much everyone knows somebody that at some point has had cancer, but the care and the support that a lot of these cancer clients are, have once they get diagnosed is not very optimal. So before we get into how you uh, support your own clients, let's dive into your background a little bit so we know uh, where you've come from to get to this point. Sure. I'd love to share my background. So I initially went to Vanderbilt University to actually pursue a medical degree. I started with pre-med and I was planning on becoming a doctor, um, but I ended up switching paths to receive my master's in human development counseling. Um, I wanted to pursue the counseling route and try to help people with mental and emotional health and well-being. And in that pursuit was when I started to work with children with autism. And I started to explore how to support families with children with autism and that was going to be my main focus. And that is why I started studying nutrition as well, was because my children that I was working with that had autism needed multiple angles of support. They were not faring very well with um, a lot of traditional modalities. So I started to study a lot with holistic nutrition as well. 
I'm curious, what made you think of nutrition? Um, I was working with a family that had a child that was severely autistic to the point where he had lost his ability to speak and he um, had a pretty severe prognosis and their family was trying every possible modality and I would go with to the chiropractic appointments, to the music therapy appointments. She had cleaned out her entire kitchen to have all non-toxic cleaning products and organic unprocessed foods. They're trying from multiple angles and that's when I started to learn about holistic medicine. So it was working with someone that was taking that approach that kind of brought you into that different realm of other possibilities. That's really neat. Yes. And I was really hitting a lot of walls with ABA therapy. ABA therapy can be beneficial for some children with autism, but in the more severe cases, it doesn't seem to, in my experience, have a lot of progress. So at what point did you decide to move away from autism and the autism work to start focusing on people that have cancer? So that was also a personal experience that just brought me into the cancer world. I had a friend diagnosed with breast cancer and she was only 47 years old. She had three young children and actually one of her one of her boys was on the spectrum and she really had a lot of stress along with the diagnosis, a lot of financial stress. And I became a huge source of support for her. I would go with her to her appointments and it exposed me to both traditional oncology and holistic because she was walking the line of both modalities. And I did not know anything about cancer when that first unfolded. And I just dove into the research and started to learn as much as I could to help my friend. And she actually ended up dying two years after being diagnosed and it was quite a shock for everyone and after grieving i really couldn't get away from cancer i just couldn't get away from what i saw with her experience she was very in a very vulnerable place and she didn't really have um extensive support she really um, felt alone at a lot of places and had to make hard decisions without a lot of guidance so let's talk a little bit about that support. What is some of the traditional support processes that uh, people going through cancer have when they're going to uh, hospitals? Sure. Um, so my clients who are going the traditional route with oncology have a few different angles of support, but many times they don't have a lot of guidance with nutrition with supplements, which is why they seek out my support. And I've had clients who have gone to even well-known cancer centers that advertise as being integrative, and they're severely disappointed when they find that the only places of integration are they have yoga classes, a juice bar, and some aromatherapy strips that they can smell. So it's basically very minimal and also i've seen some of the recommendations that have been sent home with my clients for nutrition and it is quite appalling some of the recommendations being made 
I've had clients tell me that their oncologist told them to eat ice cream to keep weight on, that they could eat whatever they wanted to. I've had clients um, basically be given permission to eat fast food and ice cream just so they can keep weight on. Right. And that's one of the big problems that we see is when uh, people go through chemo and radiation, they start to lose a lot of weight. And so the doctors want them to eat anything they can to keep their weight up uh, so they don't basically wither away. So what are some different uh, treatment and nutritional approaches that we can do to support them other than providing fast food and ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a lot we can do besides having them eat ice cream and fast food. That's for sure. Um, and it is true that a lot of people with a cancer diagnosis die of something called cachexia, which is wasting away disease. And actually 40% of cancer patients die of malnutrition and not necessarily from their cancer diagnosis. Wow. And some of it is because the, the side effects from using chemotherapy and radiation are severe intestinal permeability, immune system suppression, and a lot of people that have gone through um, many rounds of chemotherapy can no longer digest food properly. And they get to the point where they can eat and they're not absorbing any of the nutrients that they're eating and their body, they end up in a state of cachexia or wasting away disease. And so the literature is pretty clear that supporting the body with whole foods, with um, unprocessed foods, with um, a lot of vegetables, green leafy vegetables and cruciferous vegetables um, can actually bring a lot of nutritional support along with nutritional supplements um, where there's severe deficiencies. So if we take a look at some of those foods, what type of food approach would you bring? Is there like a specific dietary approach like paleo or anything like that? Or are you looking more at the specific nutrients that people need and what foods have those nutrients? So it can depend on the specific type of cancer and where someone is at in their diagnosis and basically how well their body's digesting animal proteins. So some, some people that have a cancer diagnosis are able to digest animal proteins and they might fare well on a ketogenic diet. Um, it seems that the case studies towards brain cancer seem the most promising towards using a ketogenic approach. However, with a ketogenic approach, the, the patient would really need to be able to digest fats and animal proteins. And I find that a lot of my clients are at the place where they are unable to digest an, both animal proteins and fats. And so I have to find different ways for their body to best absorb nutrients. And so I have to use um, animal proteins that are more easily absorbed, like homemade chicken stock, homemade bone broth, um, and looking at some of the protocols that cancer researchers have used and have used effectively, including the Budwig protocol. The Budwig protocol helps fats to be more easily assimilated in the body. And um, Dr. Joanna Budwig discovered that cancer patients had a green tinge to their blood. She was um, intrigued by the fact that every single patient she was working with in her cancer research 
was had that green tinge to their blood and was had severe deficiencies and especially deficiencies in oxygen in their blood. And part of the reason why there was deficiencies in oxygen in the blood, Dr. Johanna Budwig discovered was because they had a severe deficiency in essential fatty acids. And the essential fatty acids in the body help to create healthy cell membranes. And in order for the cell membranes to pull in oxygen, it needs to be made of electron-rich fatty acids. And But a lot of people with cancer were unable to digest and assimilate those fatty acids. They had issues with liver congestion, with bile formation, and the bile was not sufficient in emulsifying fats and assimilating them into the cell membranes. And so basically, Dr. Johanna Bodway created a protocol that allows for central fatty acids to be better assimilated. And so really, a lot of my clients need specific approaches that help their body to better assimilate nutrients and to reverse major deficiencies. And what Dr. Joanna Budwig found was when she was able to reverse major deficiencies, the green tinge in the blood would go away. They would end up having a more radiant, vibrant red blood, like obviously we're supposed to have. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because, um, you know, when people are on chemo and radiation, they're getting pumped full of all these chemicals. So obviously the liver is going to be very overloaded. And like you were mentioning, then that makes the whole process of being able to digest fats and detoxify very difficult for the body. So if we're taking a look at the whole digestive process and the digestion is getting compromised because of the treatment, are you putting people on uh, whole food type of uh, meals or do you utilize more um, like pre-digested uh, foods, uh, probiotics or anything like that, or even blended meals um, to get mm-hmm. these nutrients in, in, into people? Sure. And it depends on the stage and the progression of the disease. So I definitely have had clients that are in specific places of progression and stages of cancer where we're working more with um, homemade soups, smoothies, juices, and and things that are basically more easily assimilated. However, um, some of my clients come to me and their digestion is not so critically compromised and so we can use more of a whole food diet. We can do a lot of um, vegetables. I always tell my clients that are on the vegan vegetarian type protocol that they get to eat veggies four ways that we can do um, smoothies and juices. We can do salads, stir fries and and homemade soups. And um, it's it's rare that people get very excited about it, but (laughs) in these situations, you have to do what works and what um, the literature points towards. And uh, so some of my clients are on a variety of different diets, depending again, if they're able to digest animal protein and then what stage and progression of disease they are in at the, at the current moment. If you are working with vegan or vegetarian clients, do you notice that they still lose a lot of weight, even though you can try and pump as many uh, vegetables into their diet as possible? So there, there are strategies that I have to use to help um, with weight in uh, a percentage of my clients, not all of them, but some of them will lose weight on a vegan vegetarian diet and then we'll need to use more some starchy vegetables like squashes. Um, we might need to use more 
um, healthy alternative grains like millet, and then make sure we're doing enough healthy fats and eating multiple times a day. And if we make adjustments on the sources of fat and the quantity and then the starchy carbs that are allowable, then most clients fare pretty well. Um, and, and if they're also, it, it needs to be that they are continually having small meals throughout the day um, and having access to nutrients throughout the day along with proper supplemental support. And with the supplemental support, are you using traditional supplements or do you refer out for IVs or a combination of the both? It's a, usually a combination of both. So a lot of my clients I will send to um, IV clinics where they can get IV infusions of specific vitamins that are necessary for their specific type of cancer and for the support that they need. And then there'll be um, a lot of supplements that I will recommend um, from reputable companies that are easily assimilated as well that can help reverse some major deficiencies correlated with cancer. Are there some um, pretty common types of supplements that you uh, prescribe or uh, recommend to most of your clients? Or is it very dependent upon the type of cancer? There's some variability depending upon the type of cancer, how the cancer progresses. Um, the cancer, the people that come to me that have a cancer diagnosis that are more endocrine related and even um, fueled by hormones like estrogen or progesterone will need a different support than clients that are not having a cancer of the endocrine system that are not related to um, the feeling of hormones in the body. And so those supplements can vary. And it also depends on any previous or prior diagnoses. So some clients will come to me and they have type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes prior to being diagnosed with cancer. And the reality is, is that people that have diabetes are three times as likely to develop cancer than those that do not have diabetes. Um, and so we're looking at a variety of different supplements that may or may not be required depending upon uh, previous diagnoses and then also um, the type and the expression of the cancer of where the tumors are located. Um, but there are, and, and then also a lot of times there will be specific testing um, depending upon the deficiencies and finding out which supplements are a higher priority for a client. Um, I find that a lot of my clients need liver support because there's severe liver compromise. Um, a lot of my clients have methylation issues where they're not detoxifying properly and so we need to use supplements that target the liver. Um, many times my clients have severe deficiencies in minerals and the mineral deficiencies will cause a lot of stress on the endocrine system and even thyroid gland and then we need to target specifically more on um, the thyroid gland and mineral deficiencies. Yeah, the mineral deficiencies makes a lot of sense because it takes a lot of digestive power to break down minerals to, to actually be able to use them. Yes. So seeing the mineral deficiencies, I'm sure, is extremely common. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. let, let's shift gears a little bit. Are there any specific uh, glands or organs in the body that if they are dysfunctioning, c 
can they be a cause of cancer or is it more likely that uh, cancer is causing issues or dysfunctions in the glands? So cancer is a systemic disease. And before we knew a lot about cancer and how it progresses and how cancer develops in the body, cancer was treated as a local disease. The first approach to cancer was surgery. It was simply cut out the lump or the um, tumor and you're good to go. But the reality is, is this approach has not been very effective in especially stage two, three, and four metastatic types of cancer, but even in stage one cancers, because when you treat cancer as a local disease and just simply remove the tumor, you're always leaving behind CTCs, which are circulating tumor cells that circulate the blood and can find a new place to um, settle and, and cause metastasis or a secondary cancer diagnosis. And then you always have the cancer stem cells, which are the original cancer cells that um, started the whole process. And those are not, the CTCs and the cancer stem cells are never dealt with with um, traditional approaches like surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. And so the body has to have enough um, immune strength and enough capacity for cancer surveillance to deal with the cancer stem cells and the CTCs after um, using chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation if someone is going on the traditional oncology um, route, but sometimes their body has gotten to a point where there's so much of a diminished capacity to, to respond to even a small amount of cancer cells in the body that the body's not able to deal with the remaining cancer cells after cancer is treated as a local disease. And even in the 1800s, surgeons were noticing that a lot of their clients that they were surgically removing tumors from would come back four months later, six months later, a year later with a secondary cancer diagnosis because surgery did not deal with cancer as a systemic disease. And going back to your question about um, glands involved in a cancer diagnosis, I find very often that my clients that come to me have severe thyroid dysfunction that's correlated to a cancer diagnosis. I've had many clients come to me with their thyroid glands removed um, because they had thyroid cancer. I've also had clients come to me on thyroid medication that has not been effective in supporting their thyroid. And um, thyroid dysfunction has been correlated to um, a cancer diagnosis as well. Yeah, that's that's uh, really interesting that there is some kind of correlation. Now, um, I, I don't know the answer to this, and maybe you know better, but we know as practitioners that it cancer doesn't develop overnight. It takes a long time for it to develop. When people go in and get a diagnosis, are they, um, do they come out of there thinking that it just developed out of the blue, or are they told that this has been something that's been uh, developing over a long period of time? Well, I'm always surprised by um, my clients in the fact that many times there's not a lot of information given, so people don't know a lot about their own diagnosis. And uh, part of it is just the reality that oncologists are very busy. They don't have a lot of time to spend with their patients. And so the education that the patients need is simply not happening. The other um, reality is that 
all types of diagnoses are sometimes lumped together and treated in a similar manner. For example, a precancerous condition of the breast tissue called DCIS is not a cancer diagnosis. There's no cancer cells involved. It's simply abnormal cells in the milk ducts of the breast tissue. And many times people receive a diagnosis of DCIS and it's recommended that they have surgery and radiation and they're treated as though they have breast cancer. And many people that have a DCIS diagnosis actually think that they're dealing with breast cancer when it's a precancerous condition, similar to, not so dissimilar to fibrocystic breast disease, which can be the beginning stages of breast tissue becoming abnormal um, before it possibly might become cancerous. Um, and so the challenges in this is that um, a lot of times people that are diagnosed think that they need to act quickly, that they need to get rid of the tumor, that they need to do surgery, chemo and radiation as fast as possible before metastasis occurs. And the challenge with this as well is that they don't have time to process their diagnosis, they don't have time to understand their diagnosis, and they become passive in and allowing um, a doctor and oncologist to make all the decisions for them without them having a, a sense of understanding or even say in their own treatment. Interesting. Um, so then they're kind of rushed into their different treatment options when they're given a diagnosis and that's why they don't have enough time to really sit back and think through it? Yes, and then they're also grieving. So the first stage of grieving um, typically is denial. And I've had clients who say they didn't even process the diagnosis until after the treatments were already over, that they were basically in denial almost throughout the whole process of even their treatments. And um, I had a client tell me that she felt like a robot and she just did everything the doctor said without any engagement or understanding and then she was able to come out of the fog after the treatments, but um, it was hard for her to catch up to that. And the reality is that even with some of the diagnostic tools that are used, for example, um, a mammogram, mammograms will actually only be able to detect a tumor six to eight years after that tumor has developed. And so that tumor started developing six to eight years prior to the mammogram even discovering the tumor. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so um, the majority of cancers have been developing in the body for about um, probably seven to 10 years before um, someone's diagnosed. So this is why it's so important to be working on all these strategies for prevention yes. or trying to change your diet and um, make sure your body's functioning properly and you're not getting too much of a toxic load and all sorts exactly. of other stuff going on. Uh, you did mention that when they get their diagnosis, there isn't a whole lot of support or a whole lot of information. Now, when you work with your clients, then you have your own way of support, and it's a lot more holistically um, uh, presentable to these people. So you help to uh, teach them about what's going on and all that. Can you describe what your support strategies are? So, yes, I'd love to share with you. So... 
I created an online educational platform called Cancer Peace University. And basically it's 11 modules of educational videos answering the question, what is cancer from 11 different angles, treating cancer and looking at cancer like a systemic disease and looking at the different aspects that are critical for someone to understand with their diagnosis. And so all of my clients will go through my Cancer Peace University video classes so that they can become very much involved in their own diagnosis and their own um, treatment choices that they make so that they're aware of the different factors that contribute to both health and disease in the body, specifically with cancer. So education is key. I found that early on when I started working with my clients with cancer, I had a client that had a breast cancer diagnosis. And typically people make treatment choices based on hearsay, based on one person they knew that was successful. They have a vague idea of what they did and they just want to repli replicate it, but they don't really know the details of what the person did. So my client that I was working with that had a breast cancer diagnosis, she basically said, well, one person that I know that's still alive did um, some chemotherapy and then did um, holistic approaches with supplements and dietary changes. So that's why I decided to do um, the both, both approaches. Um, and so, um, she started off really not knowing a lot about her diagnosis, but we went through a lot of education through our sessions and she was committed to understand the details of her diagnosis. And she had one day where she had a light bulb go on and she said, now I understand why I developed cancer in my body. And she started to become even more involved. She became even more proactive in the choices she was making. And she started to have more success. And I realized that my clients need to understand their diagnosis so they can make the best possible treatment choices. So this is why I created Cancer Peace University. And so my clients in between sessions will go through the videos of Cancer Peace University. Um, step by step, they'll ask any questions in our sessions about the videos. Um, and and then I'll be making dietary recommendations, lifestyle change recommendations, supplemental recommendations. I will um, basically be informing them on their choices and different scenarios and giving them options of other resources of holistic cancer doctors that can support, of IV clinics, of um, ways to monitor their progress. And then um, because of my background in counseling, I also address the emotional roots to cancer. Um, with a lot of my clients, um, some of my clients are not ready to dive into that, but um, a lot of my clients do want to address unresolved emotional trauma from their childhood. Um, they also want to address relational conflict and even um, considerations of some of the characteristics and their personality that have actually allowed for cancer to develop in their body. Is this for people who are local to you or do you do this all across uh, the states? So I'm actually, um, a, most of my clients are out of state. Um, I have a small handful of clients that are local in Minnesota, but the majority of my clients are either out of state or actually I have a client right now in Australia. So I'm now starting to become worldwide. Um, I really will work with anyone um, that I'm able to connect with. 
um, online over the internet. The internet's given us a lot of access to do video calls and conference calls. So I do a lot of video calls and conference calls with my clients and I'm able to um, send them their protocols and get them all the information that they need um, in that manner. So I'm sure there's a favorite story with one of your clients that you would love to share. Uh, can you tell us about one of your clients that has gone from diagnosis to wherever yeah. you would consider to be successful? Yeah, I would. I have a lot of favorite clients. So this question is hard for me because I most of my clients um, become very near and dear to my heart. But I would say that one of my clients that found um, a lot of success, um, came to me and was really already proactive in her health. She had already um, done a lot with her diet and didn't know where the cancer diagnosis was coming from. She had a uterine cancer diagnosis. And basically through working with her, we made more changes in her diet. She added in a lot of supplements and I educated her on her cancer diagnosis and then we dove into the emotional roots and we discovered that she had a major trauma of sexual abuse in high school and that was unresolved and she was able to resolve it um, through um, identifying and working through some of the trauma associated with that situation and she had um, physical responses. She actually went home and was um, became physically ill and was throwing up um, and she basically in two and a half months, she had a cancer free, um, report from her oncologist, which we were very excited about. And, um, she felt that the emotional trauma that she dealt with was a big part of her success. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. People don't realize how much the emotional side can really impact your health. Yes. I, yeah, they don't. So do you have any daily routines that you do um, to just pre to have prevention on your own self, like your own self-care? Yes, I do a lot. And <laughs> um, I do. I Yeah, I do a lot. Um, one of the so I'll share a couple secrets that I would say that make a big difference for me. But one of the habits that I started in college was. Um, I started a habit of meditation and prayer in the morning. And I, at that point, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and realized that my life was too on the go. I was too, um, too much in the striving performance type mentality. And I needed to learn how to relax and really engage in meditation. And so I started the practice of meditation and prayer. And I've continued that for the last... Um, <laughs> I guess 17 years now and um, it's made a big difference on really my ability to move through stressful situations to release anger and what people don't realize like you said people don't realize how much emotions affect um, your physical health um, for example in epigenetics is one of the most um, active areas of scientific research right now. And epigenetics is the study of what is controlling genetic potential and genetic expression. And basically there are epigenetic cues or signals that come from the environment, including nutrition, stress, emotional patterns, thought patterns can actually trigger genes to express 
in the body or mutate and be silent in the body. And one of the studies on epigenetics has found that anger actually blocks epigenetic cues from being received by the cells. And so someone who deals with a lot of patterns of anger and resentment and don't um, find ways to release that anger and stay in those patterns can actually block their body's capacity to communicate cell to cell, but also block their, the bar body's capacity to turn on health protective genes. It's interesting you bring up uh, anger because anger in Chinese medicine is related to the liver function. So yes. to have um, the liver not functioning and not being able to detoxify and then have it be able to connect to that emotional component, which could lead to um, the interactions with gene expression. That's that's really interesting. Yes, it's, it's interesting and it's something that a lot of my clients don't know. Um, before working with me and it's something that I work hard on educating my clients and do have even some of my Cancer Peace University videos um, exploring epigenetics, um, looking at emotional roots and trauma and helping people work through some of that. So I know that alongside all this cancer support that you're providing people, you also do some work with orphanages. Can you talk a little bit about your long-term plans with that? I'd love to. Yeah. So I, uh, my husband's from Cape Town, South Africa. And um, before we got married, I had a stint where I lived in Cape Town for about seven months and I worked at an orphanage. And this was before I started my business and before I went through the NTA program. And basically I fell in love with the, the little orphan babies and just broke my heart that they were abandoned by their family members, a lot of times because of the HIV AIDS crisis in Africa and in South Africa as well. Um, their parents were unable to care for them. And I made a commitment in my heart at that point that I wanted to start a business that would fund orphanage work. And that has been my commitment since 2009. And I believe that it's something that we will be able to achieve um, in the next 10 years, hopefully. And part of um, funding the orphanage work, I started Cancer Peace University to train holistic practitioners to be able to work with clients on the preventative side of cancer and to support those with a diagnosis on the holistic side of um, cancer support. And basically the funds from Cancer Peace University will go towards the long-term vision of having an orphanage in Cape Town, South Africa. That, that's so awesome that you are taking your business and putting it back into um, these issues in the world that really need more um, of our thought and our um, hearts into it. So I, I love yeah. to see businesses that do that. Those are the type of businesses that I like to support uh, because they're giving back. And yeah. I, I think as business owners, one of the best things we can do is give back to the world. Definitely. I agree with that. So people can find you at yourgreenumbrella.com. Uh, you also have a couple um, generous 
gifts that you are giving to our listeners, um, for holistic practitioners who are interested in the Cancer Peace University, um, you are offering $100 off of enrollment if they reach out to your email, which is cancerpeaceuniversity at gmail.com by June 1st. So, uh, and mention us in uh, that email, mention this podcast in that email. So I will also have that in our show notes, which will be at summitforwellness.com slash 45. And for those who are diagnosed with cancer and are looking for support from you, you are also offering $100 off of a success session package. Um, and same process there. They have until June 1st and they can mention our podcast. So yeah. I, I appreciate that as well. Our listeners will appreciate that. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, say about cancer and ways to support people uh, through that process? Um, I'd just like to mention just about Cancer Peace University, and we're actually lo- going to be launching Cancer Peace University instructors um, this summer, and um, people who go through my program that are holistic practitioners, they can become Cancer Peace University instructors. Um, that means they can use the educational platform, the videos in group support or one-on-one support with cancer prevention and supporting someone with a diagnosis. And I'm basically building a team of people that are passionate about educating um, their clients about cancer, um, helping clients to prevent cancer and helping those diagnosed. And then um, this team will then work towards um, funding the orphanage work through the percentage designated to the nonprofit. And, And so we're very excited that we're in this major transition. My um, company used to be called the Green Umbrella. We're transitioning to Cancer Peace University, and we're going to be launching out instructors. And I'm believing to educate the average American um, and even outside of America on what is cancer. It's basically, so people can be set free from the fear of cancer and set free from the fear that cancer is a death sentence, because cancer does not have to be a death sentence. And um, people, many people, have been able to. Um, go through a healing process with cancer Um, and many people have been successful um, but it starts with our belief factor do we believe that our bodies are able to heal and do we have the right information about what cancer is so that we can be confident in approaching cancer from multiple angles awesome thanks megan you're doing great work out there and we need more people like you so keep it up thanks brian i really appreciate it And there you have it. I love that there's people out there that are supporting people who have been diagnosed with cancer in many different ways, including nutrition and the emotional component, because there's so many people that get the diagnosis and then they're just in a daze and they have no idea what to do and they don't get the support that they need. So I love that Megan is doing that. I also am a huge fan that she has a purpose behind her business and that she gives back to the orphanages and uh, money that she brings into her own business is going back to supporting the world. If you haven't noticed, we also do that with Summit Integrative Wellness. Uh, We provide a lot of support to the outdoors industry and to local charities and local communities, especially those with kids. So I love businesses that have a purpose. Okay, if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, our Summit for Wellness tribe, then head on over to summitforwellness.com slash tribe to join. We have been 
starting to pump in a lot of information into that group and supporting the questions that people are asking about their own health journey within that group. So if you want support along your own health journey, come into that tribe and join us and we will support you along the way. If you haven't left us a rating and review, please go to iTunes just real quick and leave us a rating and review. They do make a difference in how our podcast gets out there to more people. You can go to summitforwellness.com slash iTunes to leave that review. Next week, we have on a special guest, the paleocardiologist, Dr. Jack Wolfson, to come on to talk about different ways to prevent heart disease other than throwing a statin at every single patient that comes through his doors. So that will be coming out next Tuesday, so be on the lookout for that. Keep climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you next time.